0: The voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay. The voice of Dave O. Well, let's get to it right away. Danny Duffy is your slam dunk player of the game as his six and two third strong innings of one run ball allow KC to overcome scoring just three runs and striking out 11 times against you, Darvish, 12 of the night overall. And the Royals get that big game one, three to one against Texas. And it's Dave O, glad you're along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. First of all, let me apologize for how long it's been, man. The last week and a half have been absolutely bananas in my life. We have been keeping up with the interviews as normal here on Clubhouse Conversation. But the post games, because of some things in my life, have gotten out of control the last week and a half. So I apologize for that. We'll do a better job, though, coming up here during the second half as compared to the last week or two and getting you more dishes more often. So appreciate you hanging on. And, and, you know, there's some times where we don't do these occasionally. I try to let you know the night before. But you can all subscribe on iTunes. That way you don't have to check the site every 30 minutes after a game on iTunes, you can subscribe there and get them automatically downloaded into your iTunes or follow us on Twitter. We'll all tweet out the link when these are posted at Royals clubhouse on Twitter and Facebook as well. Clubhouse conversation. So let's get to the player of the game and talk more about Danny Duffy before we discuss a bit, the offense discuss a bit where the Royals stand in the standings, discuss a bit where I think they should go with the deadline looming. We'll talk a a bit about all of that, but we'll begin with the story of the night, Danny Duffy. And really, to me, the two biggest and most pleasant surprises on this team are, number one, far and away, Danny Duffy, and number two, Chesler Cuthbert. We're going to talk about both of those two guys here tonight. But Danny Duffy, first of all, we said in the early portions of the season that we didn't see him going back in the rotation. I, I thought that ship had sailed. And realistically, it would have had Chris Young and or Chris Medlin stayed healthy and or pitched well. Even if one of those guys is in your rotation, there's a decent chance that Danny Duffy doesn't move back to the rotation. As things turned out, it could be a blessing in disguise, especially long-term when you consider the prospects of a lefty that has the stuff and now the consistently, you know, consistency that Danny Duffy has. Ever since ditching the wind-up and going into the stretch and ditching one variation of his breaking ball, He has really turned a corner this year. And the mental sharpness and maturity is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was a couple of years ago when he would go out there and walk five, strike out six, and go four innings, giving up three runs. And you just always shook your head because you're like, man, he just can't shake it. But he's overcome all of that. And and Danny Duffy, as I've said numerous times, a guy who the last couple of seasons had volunteered to Ned Yost, hey, I'd like to go in the bullpen. I'd prefer it. I I like coming out to the ballpark and knowing I could be in in there two out of three days, you know? But credit to Danny Duffy. Big time. And, and Dave Island and the entire crew for helping him out and helping him make these adjustments. And I mean, the the proof's in the pudding right now, right? I mean, tonight, six and two-thirds, one run. Just four hits. Two walks. Four Ks. Didn't miss the bats he normally misses tonight, but Texas doesn't strike out a lot, either, as a team. And it's a very good lineup. So the fact that Danny did that tonight, his ERA now sits at 3.14. One of the premier left-handed pitchers in The American League, and we saw some flashes of that as well in the past, obviously, but could never stay healthy. Uh, Case in point, back in 2014 there at the end of the season, I've heard Dayton Moore quoted as saying that he, to this day, believes the Royals would have won that 2014 World Series had Danny Duffy not broken down there towards the end of the season, and I would tend to agree with him. You know, I, I, I think he's right. So Danny Duffy, it's exciting to see him turn into what he has. He really is one of the premier left-handers in the American League, and it's it's, it's a good thing. And and he, to me, is a must-extend royal going into this offseason. This offseason, it needs to get done. You have him under club control for one more year. He's the first guy you need to get locked up. First guy, number one. Don't want to hear about Hosmer. Don't want to hear about Moustakis. Don't want to hear about Kane, Escobar, Morales, Volquez, Hochaver, Davis. None of those guys until Danny Duffy is signed. A guy who wants to be in Kansas City, and I believe this will get done. A guy who really does want to be here, and I think he would give the Royals the quote-unquote slight hometown discount to stay. And I think the Royals appreciate who he is, the man he is, very positive, very team-oriented guy. And of course, most importantly, the results out there. So a guy that you must extend this winter. Now, what will those numbers require to get him? I, I would say Danny Duffy would want a four-year deal. I should probably look and and compare different numbers before I throw out dollar signs for what I think it would take, but I think it would take a four-year contract to get Danny Duffy to sign with the Royals. He'd be basically bypassing you know, his his one year of control next year and giving the Royals three years in exchange. The Royals get him for a little bit cheaper because it is a slight risk for both sides. It's a risk for the Royals because Danny Duffy has never held up for 180, 200 innings during a season. Danny Duffy has never been through a stretch like this before in his career where he was this consistent and this dominant. He's had stretches where, you know, the last couple of years, you knew it was there, and he looked like, you know, for a good month, six weeks at times, one of the best lefties in the league. We never saw it consistently, and it's real this time because of all the adjustments. All the reasons he's doing well is directly correlated to changes of approaches and mechanics. So it's definitely sustainable. There's nothing fluky about this. But with that said, a slight risk for the Royals, You know, has had Tommy John once, surgery. The guy who has had some other issues with injuries in the past. And a guy who, like I said, hasn't held up for those innings during a season or two. Now, uh, on Danny Duffy's side, it's a risk, too, to sign with Royals. Because you could be turning down a whole lot of cash if you go out next year and throw up another similar year to this year, you know, in 180, 200 innings next year. You know, then it becomes a complete bargain for the Royals. So, both sides, I think, will come to an agreement this winter, and I think both sides will give and take, and both sides are taking a slight risk, but I think it's a, a relationship that has to continue, and I think the Royals will get that done. Now, getting back to tonight, I want to give Luke Hochaver some love, a guy who's had a difficult season, ERA north of 3 8. And that's even misleading because a number of the times he comes in, there's men on base. So when inherited runners score, that doesn't go to his ERA. So early on was dynamite the first six weeks. Has struggled quite a bit quietly throughout the last couple of months. But you know what? We'll give him a rope because he's Luke Hochaver. He's a world champion. He's a royal true and through, and he's been great the last few seasons for the Royals. Another guy who's overcome the good old dreaded surgery for the UCL as well. Now, Hochaver gets the big Big, big out in the seventh inning when Danny Diffie comes out with two on and two outs. Ned Yost goes to Luke Hochaver, as he should. Of course, the Rangers aren't going to let Bobby Wilson hit there. They go to Mitch Moreland. It's a a fantastic at-bat and sequence of pitches and uh, a nice, I guess, nice play. (laughs) Paulo made me nervous there in right field, but catches it. Hochaver gets the job done, gets the Royals out of that inning. Obviously, that's the biggest at-bat of the game, obviously. your play of the game right there. So a tip of the cap to hoach and getting the Royals out of that. Another guy who's on the last year of a deal. A guy though I don't expect we'll see back next year, which is a bit sad. Hoche a lifetime royal and just I, I, I hate to sound like I'm just calling everybody great guys, but this whole team really is great guys. They really are. You spend time around these guys, you get to know them. You know some of their family members. I mean, it's just it's legit. So you know, I, I hate to sound like I'm that guy that's sucking up to all of them personally, but a, a guy that we will miss here if, in fact, he does sign somewhere else next year is Luke Aver and a guy that has a ton of value that we could even possibly see moved as soon as a week from now. We'll talk about that again here in a couple minutes, but Calvin Herrera, Wade Davis combine as well tonight for two shutout innings, allowing just one base runner getting the K, did Herrera, and the Royals, while well, they only scored three runs, and they struck out 12 times, which you never want to see, although you, Darvish, what, the best strikeout ratio in Major League history? So it's not the Royals are the only team. They're not the first and they're not the last that will have nights like that. But uh, it's weird to say the Royals had a couple of big nights offensively when they put three runs on the board, right? But Alcides, Escobar, I mean, two hits and a walk and two stolen bases, the run, that's a big night. It really is. For most leadoff hitters. I mean, for any leadoff hitter, obviously. Two hits and a walk and two stolen bases, a run, is a big night, right? And then Chesler Cuthbert, a guy who, if you listen to Clubhouse Conversation and follow me on Twitter, I've been clamoring for him for almost three weeks to be in the two-hole. Since going there, he's been red hot. Again tonight, hits a home run. That ends up being the difference in the game. So a nice night for Chesler out of the two-hole. Alex Gordon triples. Steals a base. He walks. Gets a run. Paulo Orlando a couple of hits. So, uh, you know, what? Merrifield a big hit in an RBI. It seems like they should have scored more than three runs, right? I just rattled off like four guys. Maybe our expectations are so low. I don't, or maybe it's the fact that when the Royals have a big night, it's usually not involved in the home run ball. You know, a walk and two hits is is, is sadly, and I'm not trying to make fun of them here, but it's sadly considered a a, a big night offensively. The way things have been going, the Royals. I don't really want to look at those numbers right now, but I was looking earlier today, hovering around the number 25 mark and runs scored and. OPS and a number of other key categories. They still don't strike somehow they're still on the bottom third for team strikeouts. I don't understand that. Because it seems like every night I do these dishes and I do them what four times a week? Sixty percent of the time, two thirds. It seems like just about every night that I do these, they strike out eight plus times. And somehow they're still like in the bottom third. I think they're the twenty third actually, or twenty fourth, like the sixth or seventh toughest team to strike out as a team. So it's interesting. The Royals get a big win and and let's talk about where they're at right now. They're 48 and 47. Obviously, now we're never time. We're actually really, in, in my opinion, we're past now or never time. Two nights ago at Royals Clubhouse, I said, this isn't a playoff team. And I hated saying that. And some of that was me tempering my own enthusiasm and expectations within because I'm, like you, such a supporter and such a fan of this of this organization. So some of it is me preparing myself mentally for what's most likely to come. And most likely what's to come is the Royals are going to finish two or three games above 500 and miss the playoffs. That's the most likely scenario. The Royals will stay in this thing for a while technically, but, I mean, they've got to make a, a move now. They're eight behind the Cleveland Indians who lost tonight, and five behind the wild card. And you might say, well, five behind the wild card? That's not much with, what, 68, 69 games to go, Davo? Well, that's true if it was one or two teams, but there are five teams the Royals would have to jump to get that second wild card. If you want the first wild card, you got to jump six. got to jump five teams to get that second wild card. It's, it's probably more likely, honestly, that the Royals catch Cleveland. And I know that Detroit's a couple of games ahead of them as well. So technically, you got to catch Detroit. But I think the Royals will catch Detroit. But I think there's a better chance, in a way, that the Royals catch Cleveland. And I, I don't think they're catching Cleveland. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'd say there's a five percent chance that happens. Cleveland have to self destruct with a couple of injuries to so their starting rotation. And Trevor Bowery is starting to come back down to earth a bit. But you know, Cleveland's going to add. They're going to add a, a stud reliever. They're going to most likely get Michael Brantley back at some point, And they're probably going to make a move for another bat as well. So. I don't see the Royals catching Cleveland. That's the thing you got to remember too is, yeah, the Royals are what, five games back behind all these teams? And yeah, two or three of them will probably fall apart. And the Royals could probably jump two or three of them fairly easily, see Detroit with all the games head-to-head against them. And even to a degree Cleveland if they somehow like swept them from here on out. But the things you got to remember too are, number one, other teams in this race, a good majority of them are going to be adding players. And, and when I say adding players, I mean uh, at least two or three of those teams are going to be adding legit stud players. Whereas the Royals, if they do add, which we'll find out here in a few days, if they do add, it's going to be a number five starter, like and and, and I'm saying like a, a real number five starter, like Dan Straley, who had a pretty nice night tonight for the Reds, or uh, you know, Matt Shoemaker, who's now not going to be tradable. He was a guy you heard the Royals looking at a couple of weeks ago, but he's got four years of team control left. Continues to mow down guys. Had another nice adding tonight for the Angels in a close loss, 2-1 to one to the Astros. But, I mean, those are the kind of guys max the Royals could get. But I think even those guys are too expensive. I don't know that the Royals can really get a good starting pitcher, even a mediocre starting pitcher right now. It's just pitching is the, starting pitching is the currency of things. Right? And do you really, at this point, want to give up a couple of good young arms to get a starting pitcher? Maybe if it's controllable for a year and a half, two years, but... Those guys are going to be too expensive right now. You know, besides that, I I just I don't know. I, I just don't see do you really think if the Royals add a shaky number five starter and maybe a bat that can be a Zobras type player and play a little bit of second, a little bit of right, you know, so on and so forth. Do you really think that's gonna make the Royals a playoff team, though, right now? I don't think so. So the number one thing is that teams are gonna get better in front of the Royals, and there's so many of them. The number two thing is I just don't think the Royals are a playoff team. You look at the starting rotation, guys who are having dynamite starts, like even Ian Kennedy gives up four home runs his last start. He's pacing for one of the top five worst home run seasons in Major League history as a starting pitcher. Certainly in Royals history. If things continue the way they're going right now. A guy who gets you strikeouts in a decent amount of innings but has been disappointing over the last month month and a half. Edinson Volquez for the most part this year has been decent, but you know the 11-run start Against Houston, really bloats the ERA by a full run, but he's been overall, uh, I guess, decent, but kind of disappointing, right? Ventura's been very disappointing this year. Chris Young has been beyond disappointing. And then you've got... You're hoping for Medlin and or Minor to step in. That hasn't happened. So, you know, Kyle Zimmer going down with the, the surgery now. The same thing Chris Young had a couple of years ago. Hopefully that will fix him. We send him the best. It's just... You know, the bullpen losing Danny Duffy out of the bullpen really weakened the bullpen, too. That's that's the other thing you got to think about is that the starting pitching being injury prone and so bad forced the Royals to move Danny Duffy to the rotation. Which, on one hand, is a good thing, obviously, because now perhaps Danny Duffy it's the break that he needs. You know, you go back and look at a guy like Mike Sweeney, who was almost cut in spring training for the Royals back in what, 99? And then Jeff King ends up retiring, and Sweeney makes the team, and then just takes off. He's down to the end with the Royals, or, you know, it's, it's, and Danny Duffy wasn't down to the end with the Royals. He was going to be a key cog in this bullpen for this year and at least next year, but my point being, his days as a starter were probably numbered. So maybe that's something that completely turns his career around like it did for Mike Sweeney, who goes from a guy that's a 4A player in most guys' mind to a Royals Hall of Famer, and Duffy's not going to be a Royals Hall of Famer, obviously, but a guy that could certainly be a very good, well, he could be a Royals Hall of Famer. I shouldn't say he couldn't. They signed him for five years, and he has four or five really good years. I suppose he could be. You get the point, though. So I think Danny Duffy moving to the rotation really weakened the bullpen, obviously, because now you're forced to use guys like Joaquin Soria more, and Luke from more. Guys that aren't as effective as you'd like, you have to use them now, right? I mean, you've got guys at the back of your pen like Peter Moylan, who certainly you probably don't want on a playoff team, is a guy that's pitching in a meaningful situation. So there you go. I don't know. It, it, the, the biggest thing is obviously injuries of this team. Losing Moustakis, it, as it turns out, that hasn't been as big of a disaster as you'd think, with Chesler Cuthbert really stepping it up, and I like him in the two-hole. And that could be another blessing in disguise, that he gets all these at-bats and develops and does so well. He's still so young, just 23, just about 24. But, I mean, Lorenzo Cain is a huge blow. And that that is taking much longer than anybody expected. I think most in, in the Royals brass expected him back a couple of days ago it, it, when the, the injury initially happened, and I think he's still probably a week out at least. So that's disappointing. Gordo missing in the month and not being 100% the majority of the year, and you know, I don't, I don't keep telling you, Salvia misses a good week and on and on, all the pitching, on and on and on. So many guys... Anyway, I don't know. Uh, so... In summary, before we get to the next couple of games, do I think the Royals make the playoffs? I don't. Could they? Yes. I mean, the math is obviously there. There's still enough games head-to-head against Detroit and Cleveland to put a significant dent in both of those couple of teams. But the the Royals are to the point now where they don't even really control their own destiny because realistically you're not going to play 700 ball. Even if you had the 2014 core, and you hear that all the time, well, in 14 they did it. Yeah, but in 14 they had James Shields going out there giving you seven innings every five days of two or three-run ball. You had Jeremy Guthrie going seven innings of three or four-run ball. Those two guys were saving the bullpen. The bullpen was fresher. You had Holland healthy with Herrera and Davis that year with less wear and tear. You had Mike Moustakas playing every day, healthy. Lorenzo Cain playing every day, healthy. Alex Gordon playing every day, healthy. Omar Infante was semi-serviceable. On and on and on. It's just a completely different team. And when you, the other thing you got to remember is that team went out and added Josh Willingham for Jason Adam in that trade at the deadline, and Jason Frazier from for Spencer Patton from Texas, and those you know and added Raul Labanyas, and and those moves may have in a way pushed that team barely over the top, but. The problem is you. those are the kind of guys you're going to get this year because you, that's my point. You don't have uh, the high-end prospects after last year to trade, nor do I think you should with where you're at. So the problem is if you add Jason Frazier and Josh Willingham, you might get it one more win this year the second half of the year, the last two months of the year, and that's not going to be enough. So Unless the Royals can get healthy, and unless guys like Ventura, Volquez, Kennedy, it, it starts with the starting pitching. The starting pitching has got to be damn good, and the Royals have to start getting production out of guys like Alex Gordon, Kendris Morales. They need a bit more power throughout this lineup. They need Escobar to keep doing a good job like he has the last couple of weeks. Cuthbert has to continue to play where he's at. You need to win, Merrifield, to get more like he was the first couple of weeks, and not where he's been the last couple of weeks. There's just so many things that have to happen, and with other teams adding players and a, 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 a semi-decent a hole already dug, I don't like where the Royals are at there. So. There you go. Now, with that said, I'm not projecting doom and gloom. I think next year the Royals have a very damn good chance at winning this division, and we'll talk about that obviously as the season progresses and we get towards the winter. But the Royals are in still very good shape with this group of guys. So, by no means am I overall overall am I disappointed? Yes, where the Royals are at, as are you, obviously. And, and they still, you know, even if they sneak in the playoffs, it'll still be an exciting year. But obviously, you know, the injuries have made it a disappointing and struggle this year, right? No matter what happens. So, are we disappointed where we're at? No matter what, right now, yes. Right, but what we we, we were in a World Series parade. How long ago was that? Nine months ago. You know, back-to-back World Series. You can deal with a year like this where the Royals are maybe uh, maybe a 500 team because of injuries, and you come back out. You have this team for the most part under control for next year. You see what you can do. And last thought before we get to the last two games here, and this is like the longest dish ever. I have so much to catch up on from being gone the last week and a half. Last thing is that. As far as trading on this team, I get a lot of tweets at Royals Clubhouse. Who would you trade if the Royals fade the next week? The problem is I feel like the Royals are in that like in-between stage. Like In a way, I, well, obviously I want the Royals to rattle. The Royals need to rattle off like 7 of 9, 6 of 8, 7 of 8 like right now because you've got the trade deadline coming up in what? Let's see. It's August 1st this year, so you've got about 10 days. I mean, you're in that place where you don't really want to sell because you still have an outside chance, and you and, you've got, you and you want to keep the core together as long as possible. And, and, I'm, and I, sh- I shouldn't even use the word core. I don't consider Edinson, Volquez, Kendrick Morales, or Luke Hochaver the core. And those are the three guys I think could be traded. You're not trading anybody that's under control for next year. No way. Like, Hosmer, no chance in hell does he get traded in the next 10 days. Davis, no chance in hell. Escobar, no chance in hell. Gordon, no chance in hell. On and on. Kane, no chance in hell. The only guys I'm thinking the Royals could trade or should consider trading are the guys that are in the last year of deals. Luke Hochaver. Ensign Volquez, Kendris Morales. The problem, though, is right now, you can't really trade Ensign Volquez because your starting rotation is so bad. Unless you're officially giving up on the year, you can't trade him. And they aren't bad enough to give up on the year at this moment, but not good enough to add, Right. And you almost hate to just let these guys ride out the season and end up at 500 and get nothing for them. Because on the other hand, you feel like 2017, the Royals have a damn good chance at winning the division next year. So you almost, in a lot of ways, you want to add something for these guys to help out next year. You know, trading one or two of these guys could get you a nice piece that puts you over the top next year, right? And there's and there's nothing free agent-wise this winter. It's like the worst free agency class ever. Go, look at it. It's horrible. There's nothing. And teams will overpay for nothing. So the Royals really can't get much through free agency. They're going to have to be creative and, and do a trade or two this winter to get their starting pitcher, I think. You know, next year you're going to have in your rotation Duffy, Kennedy, Ventura, right? Those three are pretty much in there. The four and five spots are going to be a combination of hopefully Mike Minor, knock on wood. Or you have to basically assume Jason Vargas or Mike Minor. One of the two will recover. So there's four of your starters. And that fifth starter, I think the Royals have to go outside of the organization and add and then use your guys like. Kyle Zimmer, Alec Mills, Matt Strom, Brooks Pounders, on and on, as your six, seven, eight, nine starters throughout the season. So that you know, that's the thing. There's just not a lot this winter you're going to be able to do. So a part of me wants to say the Royals, if, if they drop 4 of the next 5, 7 of the next 8, the problem is what if they go 4 and 4, which they probably will, right? I guess if I'm dating more, I'm not trading Volquez if, if I'm more at right now. I'm, I'm going to write out the year with them. You have to get some innings. You're going to tax the bullpen even further. You can't just throw on the, the white flag. Even though even though most likely everyone knows it's an uphill climb, you can't just give up. So Volquez, to answer the question, I've gotten three or four tweets at Rose Clubhouse, of so those three guys, the most likely to go. Volquez is probably the least likely that he could get you the most, obviously. He's going to get you the most of those three guys. Second most would be from Luke Hochaver. Hochaver is a guy I, I would consider trading, even if the Royals are where they're at right now. Because I, I, I feel like there's enough guys down in Omaha, You're Scott Alexanders, there's enough guys you, you can bring up and down for the span of a month or two, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he would be semi-replaceable from within right now, especially now that Davis is back. You've got Davis and Herrera solidifying the very back of your bullpen. You could even move up Wong into Ho Chaver's role. I know people don't like him for some you know odd reason. He's not that bad. He's fine for what he is, but... And as far as Morales goes, you could see he's certainly the most tradable of the three. He would be number one most tradable. I, I think I think the the most worth would be Volquez, followed by Hochaver because they're pitchers. But I think Morales would be the most easy to replace because you've got Brett Eibner tearing the cover off the ball in small sample sizes and, and not getting everyday at-bats, right? You could put Eibner in there. You can move Gordon there some to keep him fresh. You can kind of revolve it around. There's guys like Hunter Dozier down in Omaha tearing the cover off the ball. So th- there's enough guys... Where you could plug somebody in there. And Morales had a tear there for a good two weeks. But over, besides that, it's been a miserable season for him this year. All right, let's get to the final two games. <laughs> if anybody's still listening right now, I'm impressed, by the way. We're 25 minutes in here. I should probably just shut the hell up and get, get on with the night here. Cole Hamels, Donovan Ventura tomorrow. Hamels 10-2, and 2, a 3-0 ER in the nose, a lefty. Versus Ventura 6-7, and 7, a 4-9-7. Hamels comes off a great start against the Cubs last time out at Wrigley Field. Eight innings. No earned runs, 7Ks against a very good Cubs lineup. They got Dexter Fowler back tonight, by the way, and he turned into Ty Cobb tonight, hitting a home run in his first bat back off the DL. But, yeah, first time, this is kind of surprising. It'll be Cole Hamill's first ever start at Kauffman Stadium. I was surprised to hear that. I mean, I know he spent most of his career in the NL, but it just seems like a veteran like that would have been here at some point. But uh, Ventura, in his last four starts since the suspension, 6.5 ERA, six five five. It's been better the last two times out. Seven innings both times. Three runs against Seattle. Two at Detroit. Gotta like Texas tomorrow. Could the Royals win it? Yeah. But how many times this year do you just keep thinking that the Royals are about to turn a corner? They've had like four or five wacky wins. They come back from down seven against the Braves and then drop the next day. And the the big one, or not, not against the Braves, sorry, against the White Sox. They come back with a wild one against the Braves and walk it off after a blown save by Davis, lose the next day. The other night you had the big come from behind win, lose the next day, get killed the next two By Cleveland, I'm just waiting for them to turn it on. But I just, I'm telling you, I, I just think we're, I, I just think it's fool's gold that that it's going to happen. I I just don't. I I want it to happen so bad, I do. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. It it has to happen now, though. Tomorrow would be a nice day, and maybe, maybe the visit to the White House will be something. This team has been so, you know, against the wall so many times, and and dodged so many bullets and pulled so many magic tricks to get out of holes and come back and win and ride momentum. And, and You know, there was a famous time a few years ago where Dayton Moore says, this team can easily win 15 out of 20 in the second half, and everyone mocked him. And then what do the Royals do? Couldn't they win 16 out of 20? <laughs> they raise that by a, uh, by a game and then do it. You know, it's like this team keeps, it's, it's like they just look for something to challenge them, you know, maybe the, maybe the White House visit will end up being that. I keep deep down hoping that, like, we'll look back in a month or two, or you know, this off season, and say, "Well, it was," you know, then the White House trip happened, and the Royals rattled off eighteen of twenty three. Like, don't you wish that would happen? Wouldn't that be amazing? That's like my last hope. Like, this is it. it works the time of the year now, where obviously, I mean, Ned Yo said it himself. We're in mid September, is what he says. I mean, he's right. This this is do or die time. So we're to the point now where this is our like our last grasp. Maybe the White House is like the luck we needed. Who knows? A.J. Griffin, Edinson Volk is on Sunday. Griffin, 3-1 with a 4-2-6. Eddie is 8-8 with a 4-7-2. It would be more like a 3-8 without that horrible outing in there, but you can't just take out games. Griffin has struggled the last couple of times out. Five or more runs his last two times out, including against the Angels. Five innings, five runs. Interesting against Griffin, Alex Gordon, five for five with a home run against A.J. Griffin going back to the Oakland days for him. Edson Volquez comes off a nice one against Cleveland, two runs and four hits in seven innings. Ian Desmond, the only one who's seen him a whole bunch, is one for 11 with the home run against Volquez. I you know, do the next two games I like the Royals to win Sunday. I like Texas tomorrow. I think the Royals will split. The, the, what do they need to do though? They need to sweep. If you want to add I, I just want to see him like, just like, give me the answer. What's going to happen the next week? So we can plan for 2017. Either way, either we're planning for 2017 as in we're going to give up a couple prospects to go for it again this year, or we're going to plan for 2017 as in we're going to give up a couple of guys to get more guys for next year. Like, let's get that answer. Like, like, wouldn't you rather like know like in a week? Like, wouldn't you rather move up or down at this point? <laughs> I don't know. We're spoiled now, right? Three years ago, we'd be dying to have a team in game over 500 and five out of the wild card with a chance to make a run at the playoffs. Now it's like a disappointment. So think about that for a second. Remember that World Series parade and life ain't too bad after all. We'll talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night and go Royals.